Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Detroit Tigers 2, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And frankly, what a boring baseball game. What a, what a rough loss. What a, a pain-in-the-butt loss the Detroit Tigers. We end up losing the series again to the Detroit Tigers. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, how long can I continue to say that this stretch of games is where we're supposed to be racking up wins, where we're supposed to be giving ourselves a little cushion above 500, and instead we just keep slipping below 500? You know, we just keep hanging out down there below 500. That I mean, honest to God, at this point, I have to start to consider in my mind, the internal optimist that I am, I have to start to consider in my mind, is this just is this just a 75 to 80 win team? And is this just a third place, fourth place team? I know a lot of you out there are like, Davey, yes, they are. This, this is a rebuilding year. And, uh, you know, I thought this team would be more competitive than that. I really did. I thought, I think this team has a competitive team in it. The starting pitching obviously has to continue to get back on track. Uh, some of these hitters need to get themselves out of funks. I mean, we need Fermil Reyes thumping in this lineup to be a competitive playoff team. And we just haven't had that this season. It's been Jose Ramirez and, and not much else, a little bit of Josh Naylor. A little bit of Stephen Kwan at the beginning of the season. That's fallen off a steep cliff. As much as I love Kwan here, believe me, I do. King Kwan, the legend of Stephen Kwan. Uh, we, 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 it's come time that we probably have to talk about him. And maybe, maybe giving him a few... Oh, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. A few minor league at-bats. Maybe a few minor league at-bats. Get him just like you did with uh, Owen Miller, right? You send him down... To AAA, give him a few at-bats down there, bring him back up, see if he uh, can find that swing again. If, see if he can find that gap swing. I don't need power. I don't need hard hit from Quan. I just need gap-to-gap bat-on-ball skills. Right now, he's just chopping things around the infield, popping things up. Uh, he's not putting them out in those gaps. So, uh, yeah, it sucked. The loss sucked, especially because when I say starting pitching needs to come around... Not Tristan McKenzie. Tristan McKenzie is dealing right now. He has a great day. Seven and two-thirds inning pitched. Four hits. That's it. Two earned runs on two solo home runs. A walk and eight strikeouts on 90 pitches. He's hard hit seven times. I actually can live with that. I can live with two solo home runs. Right? That's kind of the, the point of the three true outcomes thing. Like, I'm going to strike you out eight times. Fine. You get two solo home runs off me. Fine. I can live with that. Still a quality start. I'm still doing my job. Two runs or less. Come on. That should be a win every time. That stat line by McKenzie should be a win every time. And the offense cannot support him on this day. After yesterday, they're so good. What were they, 5 for 11 with runners in scoring position? Today, they're 0 for 5. They have the exact opposite today. 0 for 5. You get one run on a Luke Maley sack fly. What do you think? I'm going to sit here on this podcast and go into detail on a Luke Maley seventh inning sack fly? You're darn right I am. That's exactly what we're about to do here. It's, it's actually an interesting situation because 
after uh, Oscar Gonzalez strikes out, yes, he struck out to lead off the seventh inning against Alex Lang, a long at-bat, an eight-pitch at-bat. He fouls off four pitches in this at-bat and, frankly, fouls off a lot of pitches that were outside of the strike zone. I mean, six in pitches six, seven, no, all of them, four, five, six, seven, they're all inside pitches that are out of the strike zone. He could have taken a walk at any point in this at-bat, but he keeps hacking. And this is what we t- we talked about this with Oscar Gonzalez. We said he does not walk because he's up there just swinging. He didn't walk a ton in the minors, and it's not going to change here, at least this quickly. But he didn't strike out a lot down there because, well, frankly, the pitchers aren't as good in AAA. That's the point of coming up to the majors. You're now facing the best of the best pitching. So I wouldn't be surprised if the strikeout numbers for Oscar Gonzalez go up a little bit. He's not going to be a 40% strikeout guy. It's not going to be as bad as Bobby Bradley. But they are going to go up a little bit. And he gets them here finally with a curveball at the bottom of the zone. And he swings through it um, for strike three. So Lane gets a strikeout to start the inning. And then they bring in Chafin out of the bullpen, the lefty. And uh, Chafin, first pitch, Andres Jimenez takes a fastball on the outside edge and shoots it out on the left field. And that's exactly what you're supposed to do with a fastball on the outside edge. Shoot it the other way. It's only a 62.3 mile per hour exit velocity. Um, I'm guessing they were shifted on him probably. And so he shoots it out into left field. Beautiful job. First pitch. Owen Miller comes up. First pitch. Two-seam sinker on the outside edge. What does Owen Miller do? Pinch hitting off the bench. He shoots it up the middle, 101.5 miles per hour. Uh, Now we got runners on the corner. And Andrew Chafin probably has to be thinking, what the heck is going on here? What is happening? Luke Maley, first pitch, two-seam sinker on the outside edge. He shoots it into center field for a sack fly, 96-mile-per-hour exit velocity. It's a lazy fly ball, but it works for a sack fly. It brings in Andres Jimenez from third base. And Andrew Chafin has to be thinking, what the heck is going on here? I can't get a first pitch past these guys. Where did these guys come out all of a sudden hacking away at my first st- my first pitch stuff? Stuff on the edges. This is what works for me. Stuff on the edges. I can't strike one. What is happening? Well, finally, Stephen Kwan, he misses with strike one. He misses up near his elbow and uh, the, for ball one. So he doesn't get a first pitch swinging here. He actually gets a second pitch in there. He throws him a slider. So he lays off the hard stuff. He figures, okay, the hard stuff is not. I cannot get a called strike with the hard stuff or a swinging strike. Let me throw a slider in there. So he gets a slider in there, misses with the next two. Quan actually gets himself into a hitter's count here. He's in 3-1 situation and gets a fastball right down the middle. Right down the middle. You couldn't ask for a better pitch. He fouls it off. And then a four-seam fastball, a little bit higher this time down the middle, and he ends up chopping it to Baez, uh, grounder to Baez for the force out to end the inning. So... Chafin gets out of it with only giving up the one run, and that would be it. That would be it offensively. That was our big rally for the Guardians on the day. I I don't know what else I can tell you about the Luke Maley sack fly because that's first pitch swing and puts it out into center field. Um, clearly, the scouting report against Chafin was to be aggressive early in the count. Um, three batters in a row against him, first pitch swinging. All right, let's get back to Tristan McKenzie. Because that was the big story of the game. Franklin McKenzie versus Elvin Rodriguez. Rodriguez was really good. Rodriguez has to leave this game with cramping. It looked like maybe the calf muscle or something like that. 
uh, was cramping up on him, and he has to leave the game after four innings pitched, only two hits, no earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts on 53 pitches. He's only hard hit three times in those four innings. So a pretty similar day to what Tristan McKenzie was putting up there. Uh, McKenzie was definitely getting more swing and miss. He led the day when it comes to swing and miss. I think all the Tigers added up together, uh, come close to what Tristan McKenzie was doing on swings and misses. He had 12 on the day. Um, but yeah, Alvin Rodriguez was very good on the other side. I, it felt like he was going up with his hard stuff more than he was. Um, if I look at the illustrator here, there are a bunch of fastballs up. There weren't as many swinging strikes up as I thought there were. Um, he kind of moves that fastball all around, uh, throws a couple of sliders, a couple of changeups, and a couple of curveballs in there, but nothing was too effective for Alvin Rodriguez other than that fastball. Um, if we go to the player breakdown page, uh, he, I mean, yeah, he only threw 10 changeups, seven sliders, and one curveball. So I can't really say any of these pitches were particularly effective. I mean, he gets three strikes, a whiff, and two called strikes on seven sliders. I don't think that's really a large enough sample size. It's a 31% CSW, though, on his four seam fastball. He did get eight called strikes on his four seam fastball, only three whiffs. So that's an effective pitch. Now, for Tristan McKenzie, he did a really good job. It's it's classic Tristan McKenzie. He works the fastball to the edges. He works it up, and then he throws the curveball on the uh, left side of the plate from the catcher's view. It would be McKenzie's arm side, and he throws that slider to the glove side. This is classic Tristan McKenzie uh, you know, pitch sequencing right here, uh, illustrator right here. And what's cool about this, what's really cool about this is that he was getting called strikes and uh, swinging strikes along the edges, especially the swinging strikes. The swinging strikes are all along the edges of the plate. He's got a fastball in, a fastball out. He's got a couple of sliders down, a couple of curveballs down, a couple of fastballs at the top, a slider at the top of the zone. The edges, all the swinging strikes on the day come from the edges of the plate. And those eight strikeouts... Um, those eight strikeouts come from the edges of the plate. I got a couple of sliders down. I got a couple of curveballs down. I got a fastball on the outside edge. I got a fastball at the top of the zone. So yeah, the edges of the plate. McKenzie was successful at getting to those edges and getting those strikeouts. It was a really, really good pitching performance. He couldn't get out of the eighth inning. You know, he let, uh, a fielding error actually by Jose Ramirez let Candelario on and extended that eighth inning, and he ends up going and putting in Brian Shaw to face Scope to end the inning. He gets a force out. So McKenzie can't quite get through eight innings, but just like Bieber yesterday, it's a pretty dominant starting performance from a Guardian starting pitcher. And McKenzie and Bieber are definitely... Quantrill is doing all right, uh, but those three are definitely carrying the starting rotation right now. For McKenzie, the whiff rate on his curveball and his slider so far this season haven't matched last season. Last year, it was at the 44% for both the slider and the curveball. This year, it's 31% on the curve, 36% whiff rate on that slider. But the batting averages against have uh, have stayed down. Um, not as good as last year. Again, last year, very good. 132 batting average against the slider. This year, it has creeped up to 219. 114 against his curveball last year. This year is at 125. Very that curveball is very good, and he's throwing it more. 
Uh, he's actually thrown it uh, more than the slider this year. And then the fastball, the uh, batting average against the fastball has dropped from last year. 227 last year. It's down to 188 this year. The whiff rate's about the same. 19% last year, 17% this year. But the batting average has dropped way down on it. So, yeah, that's what's going on for McKenzie. A little update on where McKenzie is this season versus last season with some of those pitches. It was a fantastic start from him. A really, really encouraging start. I thought he was aggressive, like I said, working those edges. The Tigers hitters, I mean, besides those two solo home runs, right, he makes two mistakes on the day. Uh, one of them was just a kind of a crazy bit of hitting from uh, from Castro here. He uh, he throws him a four-seam fastball for a called strike, then tries to come in at him with a slider, probably doesn't get it in as far as he wants. Maybe this is one of those situations where he doesn't get that edge. Leaves it a little bit over the inside half of the plate. And Castro actually hits it the opposite field. To take a slider breaking in on a lefty and hit it to the opposite field is a really interesting swing. But he hits it 101.8 miles per hour. Uh, 364 just clears the wall in left center field. You would think a slider breaking in on a lefty, they would turn and pull that ball. But for some reason, he's able to punch this thing out into left center field. And then the next home run that he gives up, it's the pinch hitter off the bench. Um, It's Candelario coming in off the bench. In this situation here, he gets him with a forcing fastball for a called strike on the inside edge against the lefty. Uh, So he does get that one in there. Drops a curveball below the zone for ball one. It's a 1-1 count. Then throws him another curveball on the plate this time. Gets it up a little more at the thighs. And this one he turns on, 104.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 365 to the seats in right field. So is this a situation where you just showed him a curveball and you come right back with the same pitch, except this time you bring it up into the sweet spot, into a spot where he can barrel it? That's what it kind of felt like to me here. He just showed him this pitch, and it's on the same plane. I mean, it's on the same path. Uh coming out of his hand to where that ball ended up below his knees, this pitch at his thighs, it's right there. I mean, so he kind of telegraphs it with the pitch before, and he's able to hit it out for a home run. So, yeah, the two lefties both get home runs for him. I don't know what the splits. Let's check the splits for Tristan McKenzie on the season. Are lefties doing any more damage against him than righties? No, it doesn't really look like lefties are doing that much more damage against McKenzie. In fact, those are the first two home runs he's given up to lefties this season. Lefties are only hitting 123 against him. Righties are hitting 207. Um, yeah, so it, I wouldn't necessarily say that the uh, the lefties are doing more damage against him. I mean, his whip against lefties versus righties, his whip against lefties is 0.78. His whip against righties is 0.93. So in a sense, you could say the righties are doing a, a slightly better job against him, but he's handling both pretty well. So yeah, two lefties just happen to get home runs on him on the day. And he does them with no one on base, right? He only walks one guy, and it doesn't come back to hurt him. So it's not like a walk and then a home run you know, adds to a crooked number. All right, I, I think that's, I mean, that's all I can say. They had four hits on the day uh, total for the Tigers. I mean, what else can you say about how great McKenzie was on this day? He might be our best pitcher right now. He honestly, God, might be our best pitcher right now. 
I know it's not a lot of detail, but there's not there's nothing else. There's nothing else here in the box score. There's not much else that happens. Owen Miller comes in and pinch hits for Palacios. He goes two for two on the day. That's nice to see. Frankly, when the top of your lineup goes, Ramirez did have a walk there. So the top of the lineup goes 0 for 11 with a walk. It's just not enough. That's just not enough. If you add Quan at the bottom of the lineup, he was 0 for 3. So really, you're 0 for 14 there at setting the table for your 4, 5, and 6 hitters. Now your 4, 5, 6, and 7 hitters all come up with hits. And in fact, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 all come up with hits, but there's really nothing on base for them to drive in. You gotta be getting on base for them to drive in. That's just a that's a bad recipe for success as an offense. If those nine, one, two, three hitters can't get on base to set the table. And it can't be Jose Ramirez every day. It can't. It's baseball. It can't. So it's not a good recipe when those guys can't get on base to set the table for four, five, six, and seven. All right. So the Guardian, the Guardians go down. They lose to the Tigers. They lose another series. Um, I do want to talk briefly about Stephen Kwan because who as good as April was. I mean, here are the numbers in April. Ready? 354 batting average, 459 on base, 500 slugging with a bunch of doubles, five doubles and a triple, seven RBIs, nine walks to six strikeouts. So a pretty good job by Stephen Kwan. He's also hit by pitches twice. That helps. That helps the on-base percentage. All right. Now let's look at April. All right. Let's look at May. May, he's hitting 167, a 259 on base, a 222 slugging with a double and a solo home run, six RBIs, nine walks again to six strikeouts again for the month of May. Um, he does have a stolen base this month. That's it. Ooh, that's just not, that's just not good enough. That's just not good enough from Stephen Kwan for the month of May. It's been a tough month. He has kind of fallen off. Uh, after going on a heck of a hit streak, actually, he was on a hit streak to start the month. Um, the last game in Oakland to end April, he has two hits. And then he has hits throughout the San Diego series, the Toronto series, um, and then into the White Sox series. So he's on a little hit streak there, but he's got an ice cold. I mean, they were one hit per game, though. And he's got an ice cold since then. Uh, he hasn't had an RBI since uh, May 7th against the Blue Jays. He has not had an RBI since that far back. He scored one run since May 9th. He scored one run since May 9th. So Quan's production has dropped off significantly here in the month of May. Is it a question of just a rookie hitting a wall, you know, hitting a little wall, hitting some struggles uh, at this point, falling into a slump? Or is it, you know, they're pitching him differently they're being aggressive against him. I can tell you that much. They, uh, they're they trying not to walk him as much. He's still working the walks. He's still got nine walks on the month. Um, but it definitely seems like something is different in May than it was in April. So a little of the magic is gone for Quan. Uh, it's definitely more plate appearances. So that, I mean, that could be something. Uh, 61 plate appearances in April. He's up to 81 plate appearances in May. So they were definitely giving him more opportunities. Um, but it's just not coming up with hits. He's not finding the gaps. He's not getting those extra base hits. Like we said, five doubles and a triple in April, only one double for May. That's it. He does have the solo home run though. He did get his first home run, uh, back all the way on May 5th against the Blue Jays. Is this a guy that would benefit from going down to triple a for a month? 
just for a month, getting to hit a little bit against some AAA pitching, finding those gaps again, maybe work on being aggressive earlier in the count. Sometimes he's gonna just going to have to take that first pitch and swing at that first pitch and be aggressive. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot of first pitch strikes, a lot of first pitch fastballs, it feels like, and he's just not being that aggressive against them. So it'll be interesting to see here what uh, what they end up doing with him. Uh, you know, I could, I could see him using a little bit of that. I could see him using a little bit of triple A pitching to get him back on track. There's guys in triple A that you want to take looks at. So this would give you an opportunity to take a look at some of those guys. Keep Quan in the lineup every day and bring him back after a month. It's happened before. We saw Owen Miller go through it last year. Even Palacios went through it for a, a little Right, He was down for it was like 12 days or something like that. But he got to hit a little bit. He's come back. He's actually hit pretty well since he's been back. He's hitting some line drives. Um, so, yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Quan. Hey, we finally got Naylor moved up into the four hole. That's, that's where I wanted him. It doesn't work on the day, but we finally got Naylor moved up and Gonzalez moved up. Uh, you know, Owen Miller dropped down to the seventh hole. He was pinch hitting, right? So he gets the day off. That's why Naylor moves up. But pinch hitting in the seventh hole, he actually gets two hits on the day. I actually think this is kind of a better lineup. Uh, Naylor belongs in that four hole right now. We'll see what Reyes comes back like. You know they're not going to want to put Reyes and Gonzalez back-to-back, the two big righties. You know they're going to split them up. So do they split them up with Andres Jimenez and bet Reyes seventh? Or do they put Reyes back in the four hole and use Josh Naylor between him and Gonzalez? If Reyes was hitting the way Reyes is supposed to be hitting, that's the lineup right there. Reyes four, Naylor five, Gonzalez six, Jimenez seven. That's that's a solid lineup right there. So we'll see what ends up happening here with Quan, And we'll see what ends up happening. Does Naylor stick in that four hole? Does he stay with this and keep Owen Miller down in the lineup a little bit? I think that's probably the right decision, but Francona is very much a creature of habit, and he's gotten in the habit of penciling Owen Miller in the four-hole. So we'll see if Owen Miller's back in the starting lineup. Let's see if we're facing a lefty or righty to kick off this Kansas City series. It is a righty, so uh, yeah, I don't. Owen Miller will probably be back in the lineup. It was probably just a day off. I'm sure Andres Jimenez will be out there. I'm sure Quan will be out there, and I'm sure Owen Miller will probably be out there too. So uh, who knows? We'll see who DH is, right? They're kind of moving the DH all around. Maybe Naylor gets a day to DH. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the lineup looks like tonight against the righty to kick off that Kansas City series. All right, the last thing we got to talk about is Yu Chang is getting another chance. He does end up getting traded. Remember, when you're, put on, when you're DFA'd, designated for assignment, you're basically put on waivers, and other teams can claim you, but you have to, they have to make a trade. They can't just take you. There has to be some kind of trade involved. Well, we end up basically just trading him for cash. And uh, he goes to Pittsburgh, and everybody on Guardian's Twitter had jokes about it because this is not the first former Guardian to end up on Pittsburgh. You you get DFA'd in Cleveland, there's a really good chance you end up in Pittsburgh right now because they're the team that's just at the bottom of the barrel that has the availability to bring in these guys and then give them a chance and... See if there's anything there. Um, so Yu Cheng is going to get a chance. From what I was reading, they're having some big injury problems at first base. So they needed someone who could play first base. And Yu Cheng fits that bill. He can also play around the infield and give him a little bit of utility skills. So 
He's going to get a chance in Pittsburgh. I, I honestly, I hope it works. I really do. I've been rooting for Yu Chang for a while now. Seems like a fantastic person. And there is a good baseball player in him. Can it shine at the major league level? It didn't for Cleveland. He got a lot of at-bats in a Cleveland uniform over those four, she- four seasons. So it's not like Cleveland didn't give him a chance. But this is how the system is designed to work. If you run out of chances, if it's just not working with one team, the system is designed so you have an opportunity with another major league club. And that's exactly what happens for Chang. So we'll see what happens. He's still got a long season ahead of him. And hopefully he gets more than 10 at-bats with the Pittsburgh Pirates and can get something going for himself. So we don't have to worry about it. It's not even in our league. You know, hopefully he has a lot of success over there for the Pirates and uh, can turn into a productive even a productive utility player would be great to see. So Yu Chang gets a second chance with Pittsburgh. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I hope you enjoyed my breakdown of Luke Maley's sack fly. Um, I wish there was more. I wish there was more detail to this game. It just was such a plain game. I mean, give credit to the Tigers' bullpen. They ran a lot of bullpen arms after Elvin Rodriguez goes down with the injury. And uh, except for Chafin, who gets into the trouble with those first pitches, uh, they end up shutting him down. Uh, Willie Peralta, Alex Lang, a good inning in a third with two strikeouts. Fulmer gets the eighth, and Soto in the ninth. He gives up a uh, gives up a single to Owen Miller, but he's able to shut the door. He's able to strike out Oscar Gonzalez after a very tough at bat. Gonzalez has another tough at bat where he's fouling off a lot of pitches and eventually goes down to the strikeout. So, uh, you know, that's something. Gonzalez, again, he fouled off a bunch of balls that would have been ball four. He could have taken the walk. He just keeps swinging. So that is something for Chris Vileka to work on with Gonzalez. And we'll see if anything changes there. We'll see if he can take a walk in this Kansas City series. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Detroit. It's the Tigers 2, the Guardians 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, on the team, and we'll discuss them on the show. Let me know your thoughts, morning people. Come on, you got to have some thoughts on where this team is here at the end of two months. Let me know. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>